What makes a life a good one? Is it the adventure you have? Or the friends you find along the way? Maybe it's pursuing your passion while striving to protect, defend, and save what you believe in every single day. So, what makes a life a good one? In the Coast Guard, we think it's all of the above and more. But you'll have to find out for yourself. Visit GoCoastGuard.com to learn more. So for those of you who follow me on social media and thought that I actually worked out hard at the gym, you would think that I was actually hanging out at the spa if you compared me to my guest that we have on this week. Kalesi Twigley is joining me. She trains in the zone every day, despite a number of health issues that would have most people just sitting on the couch and throwing in the towel. An exercise physiologist and trainer, she has explored a variety of health practices, particularly when it comes to dietary needs and monitoring to help with her remission while still performing at her highest level. Uh, it's not only her health that she's monitoring, but also that of her daughter as well who deals with Lyme's disease. And she trains so many people that are dealing with chronic disease. So I'm really looking forward to getting the information from her today. Welcome to Living Your Life with Leanne Lang, the podcast brought to you by Extension Marketing. And of course, for more information, you can always check out extensionmarketing.com. Thanks to all of you who have been listening, who have been liking and sharing and subscribing and letting people know about the podcast. It's uh, great to be able to see the audience uh, continue to grow. And also, looking at the numbers too to be able to know that everyone is listening to a podcast a living your life podcast every day that uh, each one is being listened to so it's great to be able to see but we have great guests and I think that's why people keep coming back and I am so looking forward to this classy welcome likewise yeah. thank you so this is really different because a we were both clothed yes and uh <laughs> we have a little bit of makeup on uh, I I have to say like I think I was when I first met you, like crazy intimidated by you, just based on the fact that you are so focused. Like there seems to be something about you that when you are in this environment, everything else around you shuts down. Have I, am I the only person to have ever said that to no, you? No. Okay. Uh, a lot of people ask me why. And presently, I mean, life takes many paths. Life is hectic and it's chaotic and I, it, it focuses me. So I have this... Um, clarity of thought or lack thereof and some people meditate some people take you know hot baths uh, I I like to train hard and I come from an athletic background mm-hmm. so as as you do I know once it's in you it's in you and there, it's either I'm going 100 120 percent or I what's the point see but it's funny because you know, and I often tell people, and I know you're very similar, like, you know, if I'm being a bitch, Tony will say to me, like, get to the gym. Like, my workout for me is my therapy. Yes, like, absolutely. being at the gym for me is my is my release. Mm-hmm. But I have my phone with me. I will check an email in between sets. Like, I will do things. Like, I have watched you. You, are, you shut everything out. You're in the zone. It's because jump is on the clock, right? I, so if I drop my kids off, I've got, you know, X amount of minutes where I can get it yeah. on so that's um, the kids being down in the daycare yeah that's yeah. it okay yeah, exactly that's yeah. that or has picking it. them up from school <laughs> mm-hmm. or a client you know so I have a certain amount of time allocated and I there's admire stuff you. that has, has to be, be yeah. done because you write it all down 
everything that you're doing is is jotted down. Trust me, I have watched yeah. you in the gym. Yeah. I see what you do. I guess so. But it has paid off because for someone and learning about that you deal with so many health issues, it's amazing to see that your body is in such amazing, beautiful shape. But we're going to get to that in Thank a little you. bit. What I didn't realize is when I was asking you questions, you were born in South Africa? I was born in South Africa. What was your yes. family doing there? So everyone on my mom's side is still there. Uh, my parents met in Europe and... Uh, my brother was born here, they moved back, and then I was born there, but moved here at about two or so, so okay. young age. Yeah. Have you been back? Like, do you Once, go back? That's it. Okay, yeah, so it's not like South yes. Africa is a massive... No, and, well, party. and uh, I don't know if this is related, but I did the... The only time I went back was about six months before I was diagnosed with Crohn's, and I had a stomach bug there, and some... Some professionals say that that can be kind of the, the link to developing the condition. So that was the only time I went back. I had a great time. It was funny. It was as though I met my whole family for the first well, time. You would have been, what, 18 at the time? I was 19, 19. Or, or, yeah, uh, 18 or 19, yeah. When you went back for the first time? Yeah. No, I must be 19. I was in my first year of university, so, yeah, it was then. So your parents meet in Europe. You're born in South Africa. Yeah. They, was is someone Canadian that they ended up back here? No, my my dad is first. I guess my dad's parents first generation. Okay, uh, they are from Poland and Europe. So, yeah, a mishmash. You're a mishmash of yeah, everything. That's right. And yeah. we are in Canada. That is, <laughs> it is a mishmash. That's <laughs> absolutely. Uh, and I noticed because I, you were athletic and active mm-hmm. from a very early on. Like, was that mm-hmm. part of the family? dynamics that it was just sports and health and kind of being active was part of what it was to grow up in that family not so much uh my mom was well my mom uh I, I she swam and she played field hockey in South Africa and she actually uh she's in her 70s now but in her before she became an artist she was a phys ed teacher so uh I'm similar in that regard. Um, and my dad, he did a lot more mountaineering uh, sorts of things. And my brother followed that. So uh, my brother uh, has done a lot of mountaineering. He was a big and avid climber, a rock climber. Um, but I I went to an all-girls school to start. And I started sport then. And I think it just... Uh, I don't know, it, it did something for me. And I like the competitive uh, aspect. I'm a physical, I've always been a physical person. Um, and uh, and from that, I just, uh, I put my mind to it and I I pursued the sport. But you have, you have a ton of sports that you did. I do, and they're yes. not like the typical, no. you know... Well, I did. I played. I, well, I played soccer and volleyball at a fairly high level. I mm-hmm. played in high school, but I played club as well. And I, I guess, as far as the training is concerned, I was small, and I played volleyball. And I knew, okay, I, I need to have a good vertical. And with soccer, I need to have a strong kick. Those were in layman's terms at the age of you know twelve. That's what I was looking at. So I would get down on the, the washing machine in our basement and I'd ask my dad to put on the, those old school hand weights where you can put the five pans or ten pans <laughs> on and I'd get him to stand there and I mean he followed me all the way up with, he supported me 
uh, with my sport, but he would put them on my, my legs and I'd do leg extensions, quad extensions, sitting on the washing machine with them and then take them out and then I'd do my calf raises on the stairs downstairs to help with my vertical with volleyball. So and this was my you're own head at 12 thinking, kind of thinking, I've got to figure this out. I need out. an edge on these bigger <laughs> girls, right? And so I thought this is how, you know, apply extra weight so that when I do hit the field or the, the court, I've, I can actually play to that level. You came so, by it honestly. What's that? You came by it honestly. If yes, you're a kid yeah, in the was, basement yeah. sitting on a washing yep. machine. That is that was it. That so I, I don't you know, I really I don't know where but it you came have from. sports are like goal ball. Like you have a, a number I, of different sports on there that's different than the norm. Well, I've I've trained. So I've I trained uh so jumping ahead, went to university. I always knew I wanted to do kinesiology. And I wasn't you know, in, in high school there's some courses I enjoyed, some I didn't. Um Physics could not, calculus couldn't handle it, but then I took a kinesiology course in grade 13, and we had to do an equation that measured the torque on a figure skater's knee when they land, and I had this aha moment. That's why I use calculus, and then I could do it because I was interested in it. So, so I wish someone had told me that when I was trying to pass my yeah, right. second calculus exam in university that I failed worse the second time than I did the you first time. You just needed oh to gosh. restructure the question mm-hmm. so it would appeal to gymnastics or whatever it is. <laughs> but um, but then going on to university, I was given the wonderful opportunity uh, to work with some international level uh, competitors and they just happened to be uh, there was a goalball player so that's a blind man's sport and uh, it's a fascinating sport and we had this ball that has a little bell in it and there was a strength component so he would bring his dog in so you, you learn how to deal with someone who's visually impaired um, just holding the elbow so on and so forth um, at a high level of fitness uh, and then another one Paul Tingley and he was amazing uh he was a tetraplegic or a paraplegic sailor and he went to the worlds and i was able to train him and he was a big um uh, skier and he just got off of the ski lift he decided to take a jump landed on his neck and that was it and this person just he didn't within uh, right after rehab he thought what can i do and he went to sailing and he went to the very top level. And I was able to, I, I remember doing a report on him in one of my us, university courses. And just the the perseverance and the positivity and open-mindedness and dedication, uh, it, it was amazing. So here you are studying. And your, your subjects or the people that you're working closest with are dealing with life-altering. Yeah situations mm-hmm. so you were never really dealing right off the bat with the healthy kind of you know everything's good everything feels good type of person right off the bat like you were yeah. exposed to having to figure out how to make it better for people who are don't have the same you know it's not it's yes. not an easy path yes no exactly and thinking outside of the box and taking the person for where they're at at the that time and working with them together to to attain that goal um so it was uh and learning so much from them in the process and i i worked with both of those individuals after i i was i had gotten sick so it was maybe 
uh, I started training them maybe even just in my second year of university and I was sick in my first. So I went from, uh, I was, I mean, I was, I wouldn't say at my deathbed, but pretty close to it, uh, and nursed myself back at that point. And then I got to deal with these people, which is great because I was what, 20, uh, 22, maybe 21, and trying to work with it emotionally and psychologically and physically and being able to coach people who are have been there and who have excelled. So I, I can attribute my successes. I, I am so thankful to those individuals, wherever they are right now. <laughs> so I'm going to take you back then yes. because you, you <clears throat> brought in the illness and then, you know, you're working with these athletes, but mm-hmm. it's after you've already had your all life-altering kind of experience. Yes. So you take us back because were you healthy? Like when you look back, mm-hmm. like were you healthy up until 18, 19? Or was there always a situation that didn't seem quite right with your stomach or how you were feeling? Well, it's, uh, it's funny because I remember, I think I was in grade 7 uh, or something close like that, and I had a really big test. And I really I had an upset stomach that morning, and I told my mom, and she said, this is just nerves. And I, I don't know if that was related, but I remember that. Um, but then, you know, I, I played the sport, and I also I wrote – and so on any given day in, you know, grade, I'd say 10 to 13, I, I could have, uh, uh, one of my days, could be rowing. We were on the water at 5 a.m. Afternoon, we might have a volleyball practice at 3.30 when school's done or a game. And then I, if I played club volleyball or soccer, a soccer, I might have a game at night or I'd have to go and play volleyball at, I think we had a practice like, 9 to 10 30 in Orleans and I lived in Quebec like which is was crazy so um I was eating a lot and I remember one of the the best experience was mom picking me up and on our way home she'd pick up a big like a 750 milliliter um cottage cheese tub and we'd time it perfectly at the bakery to get a full baguette that was like so warm, you could hardly touch it. And I remember, because I'm a mama, I would do it too. She'd eat the, the crusty ends, mm-hmm. and I would eat the entire baguette dipped into the cottage cheese, and they'd be gone by the time we got home. And then I'd have dinner. And in retrospect, what are some really big allergens? Okay, well, there's dairy, and there's uh, there's wheat, or, or gluten, those are just two of them, and I was just demolishing stuff like that. And um, I think I've got sensitivities. My mom cannot handle gluten, and she only realized that. I mean, she's 76. She only realized that maybe two years ago, literally. She cannot handle it. So it's, and I, I got biome. I mean, my daughter's got some of my stuff too, right? So I was just consuming excessive quantities of everything I shouldn't have been. But you were busy. You're a kid. You're not thinking that you've no. got these allergies. No. You're thinking I could be anxious about a test. And I I've done feel... three sports that day. Right. So it wasn't like this was on your radar that something was terribly wrong. No. And you know, do, do you ever remember feeling really tired when you were 17? Like you just keep going. Like you mm. just go and you, you're never tired and you go and have a good time. So and if you had a you're cramps not aware. or you had yeah. stuff that was wrong, you just, yeah. something was going on. Yeah. So... No. You say that it was pretty, there was a kickstart. It was the trip back to South Africa. Yes. Something triggered because that was the start of you not being well. Yeah. And I, 
I got to say stress is a huge thing because I was, uh, I don't want to say not happy. Uh, I wanted to go to university. I was having a great time. But, you know, financially, the way my family worked is, you know, you got to work for some of this, right? And I took it. I had student loan. I had to work, all that. That, I mean, again, most of my university was the work was where I learned everything, right? The school was secondary, if you wish, or just supplementary almost. Um, But I was already a personal trainer at that time. And I remember crying on the phone to my dad saying, why do I have to do this when I I could be a trainer now? And thank goodness for him saying, you're going to school because, geez. Um, uh, uh, So I I was not, uh, I was stressed. There was a lot of responsibility that all of a sudden I had that I think I maybe I I wasn't sure how to deal Mm -hmm. with it and I felt you know confidently like I had everything I need to you know go forward in a profession um and then we went to South Africa and uh it was just a it was a emotional trip for me I guess it was my, my brother my mom and I went and they're two artists so they're very close and I I felt separated a little bit I've always been a little bit different than I've Everyone in my family, and we're the only ones in Canada, so it's not like I have aunts and uncles to, you know, connect with. That that was it. And I was very far away from home, and I think all of that stress in South Africa, I had this pain, and I remember it, and it hurt. And it hurt when I pressed in, and I remember that, and that that was the beginning. And then I got back to school, and I just got sicker and sicker and sicker and sicker until it was emergency. So how sick are you? Like what? What are you doing? Am I like right now? No, like oh, at that at point. That point. Okay, at that right. point, when Sorry. you're 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 in the you you know you end up hospitalized. Right. So what 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 was happening? So what was happening? I I didn't know. And uh, I went to Dalhousie, and there was about a month strike there, and I didn't go home. I was working. I was there. What a, we were having a great time, not going to school and working. It was perfect, except. Um, I had this pain in my side. It would always be in my side. And then I started to have frequent urination. uh, And I went to the doctor and they would say, oh, I think it's a bladder infection. So they'd give me antibiotics, which, hey, that makes it so much worse. Antibiotics kills your gut. Uh, And I don't know how many bouts of antibiotics I had. And then my side started to swell. And I I had connections with the physiotherapy department. So... um, I went and I remember uh, the physiotherapist looked at that and she touched it and she said, I'm not going there because that's not muscle. I don't know what's going on, but that is not something I can I can help you with. So um, I just, yeah, I'd wake up and I would be drenched with sweat. Just It's like you threw me in the shower and there I was. And um, it, it just continued on and I you know I, I wouldn't know what was wrong but I think okay the worst thing is what maybe it's my appendix or something so my doctor eventually said uh, you know what we'll do a CT scan so we did a CT scan she called me I think that night at, at residence and she said I can't see anything because there's so much fluid buildup could be your appendix could be something else take a set of clothes go in check yourself in an emergency I went um and I, uh, and at this point, like there were moments when it was actually, I was in the meal hall. I was eating, I think it was a piece of bread and toast cause, or bread and butter. And I was buckled over in pain and I had to, I could hardly get up to my room. 
And um, anyway, so that night I went in and they I went in and I said, can you just give me something? Like, I think it's a like, kidney infection or, you know, and he said, you're not going anywhere until we figured this out. So they go in, I get an IV, they're pumping me full of um, antibiotics or whatever because I was just obviously really sick. Um, and then I remember sleeping and waking up and talk about no bedside manner or anything, but this resident doctor stood at the foot of my bed and she said, you have a hole in your bowel, you have an abscess the size of a grapefruit, so that explains the weird side swelling. Um, and it could be, it's probably as a consequence of Crohn's disease. Um, uh, so we're going to have to operate. We're going to have to take that out. There's a chance you might have an ileostomy. And she explained what that is. So what that is, is they cannot reconnect your bowels together once they've removed the, the segment. And you have to, they, uh, they take a, so viewer discretion advised. So they, they take part of your bowel out of your stomach and they sew up around, so you've got your bowel separated, the other's clamped off, and there's a pouch there, so uh, an ileostomy, a small intestine, uh, so the, or the, you have a colonoscopy, which is large intestine, so an ileostomy, um, and we might have to finish with that temporarily because there's too much infection. So I still remember lying there, total shock, like I just, uh, but I remember it clear as day, and all I can envision is someone with a garbage bag, a black garbage bag slung over their shoulder with like poop in it. You know, like, mm-hmm. like I really had no idea what this thing looked like. And it was, it was so, I, I just didn't, I didn't know what to do. So I went in for emergency surgery that day and uh, they said to me before, you know, there's about 5% chance that you'll have a temporary ostomy. Hopefully we can take care of everything. Um and I remember one of the most uh, emotional times for me was when they put me in. This is, okay, this is a 19-year-old, like, healthy, uh, you know, whatever, going in. And they put me in, when you have surgery, they put your arms side to side and they strap you down or whatever. And I remember them doing that. And I remember that oxygen mask coming down and it took every ounce of my... Um, I don't know what it was to not push their hand away and say, forget it. I'm going to go home and I'm going to, I'm going to die or whatever it is. But I'm, I was so afraid of going into the unknown, an operation, a big garbage bag over my shoulder. Like I, I I didn't feel like I had the strength for that. I would prefer just going home and going into a corner and let me be, (laughs) see you next life kind of thing. So anyways, that happened, and then I woke up, and I remember the only thing I remember before I passed out again was the doctor saying, I'm sorry, we had to we had to give you an ileostomy, and then I fell back asleep, and that's, that's how life started again <laughs> in a different direction, yeah. So you... You wake up, are you have your parents come in from out of My, town? Yeah. Like are you do you have family that's with you? I mean, here you were just living yes. this normal university life and then right. you've got recovery, <clears throat> you've got a change of mindset of how you are now living like Yes. No well, okay, so my brother went to Mount Allison at, at the time, so he came in. Uh, but my mom as soon as we knew how severe it was, she came right in and I um she just had a hip replacement last week and I, I 
I'm not, I mean, I'm looking forward to her having a new hip, being functional again, but I was also looking forward to waiting on her and, and giving her everything and giving back. And mm-hmm. I, I can't, it was not the same because she's so active. So she's up and doing things. Like she sat, I was in a hospital for 14 days. Uh, I I think seven of those, there was no food. It was just because everything, as soon as the bowel is touched, it kind of is disabled for a period of time. So anyways, it was just IV. Um and she sat and she read to me the entire book of Cider House Rules, the, the novel, of which I remember nothing, obviously, because I, I was under heavy meds. And, but um, anyway, so she came in um, and she stayed with me for that entire amount of time. She stayed in my dorm room um, and was there every single day, except for one where she went to visit my brother at Mount Allison. And that was a really uh, emotional day. It was a blue day for me, for sure. Um so, so yeah, I, I had great support that way, and friends came to visit, you know, that sort of thing. And, and so then how was the, what did you change, what did you have to change as you got your energy back, as you were starting to feel a little bit better? How different was then your, the way you did things? Well, I, uh, I, um... I wasn't on medication to begin with, so I, I went back, uh, and... I didn't know any better, so I mean, all, all I knew when they, they sit down, a nutritionist comes in and they, you've lost, I mean, I, I was a rake. I, I lost all your weight, I, I would I think. Nothing. Yeah. I was a skeleton. And they give you the Canadian food guide and they say, even then, and they say, you know, you want to have higher, you know, lots of peanut butter and lots of starches to, you know, rebuild. Somehow I knew because I, I did a lot of nutrition in university too, although I was still in my first year, but I just knew that doesn't sound right. You know, it just sounds a little bit too basic for what I'm going through. So uh, I'm someone who likes to know everything about whatever it is that I want to know about. So I went home and as I recovered, I, I mean, yes, I started just eating what I could, but I started really um, looking into nutrition with Crohn's disease, that sort of thing. And I was given the name of a book called Breaking the Vicious Cycle, which is the carbohydrate-specific diet um, by a, a girlfriend of my brother or something. It doesn't matter, but she she had Crohn's disease and she said it, it did wonders for her. So I bought this book and I read it start to finish and it gives you the science behind it and then it gives you all the lists of foods that you can have to avoid to, to eat. And I followed that through and through, I, I I just cut out everything. So there was no, there. it was cold turkey, that's it. And um, m- moving, I mean, that was when I was 21, 15 years later, uh, pretty much, and I'm, I'm going strong, yeah. I mean, I've I've changed a lot during well, that you've period done of some, time. I know because I've, I've followed you, but you've done some really crazy do I, am I allowed yeah. to say crazy? Because I thought you were like nuts to right. do it. But you keep trying to explore yeah. new ways to eat to keep your yeah. yourself as healthy as possible, <clears throat> which one of them included like this carnivore. Yeah, right. You went, like you ate meat for, yes. that's all you ate. Yes. Well, that's okay. So interesting. So, so I was on, I, I have stuck most consistently with this carbohydrate specific diet. Okay, can so, you explain that for me? Yes. And okay, first I want you to explain just really quickly, what exactly is the is Crohn's and what are you dealing with on a daily basis? Okay. This podcast is brought to you by Extension Marketing. They're a new breed of marketing agency that acts as your virtual marketing department, designing and implementing cost-effective marketing strategies that will grow your business. 
I can speak to this personally as I've been using the extension marketing team to help me launch and grow my business. Founder Pat Whalen has been a lifesaver for me, a genuine coach guiding me along the way into uncharted territory. Tell them you're a friend of the show and receive a free one-hour consultation. Check them out at extensionmarketing.com. Crohn's is an autoimmune condition. So what happens is if there is, everyone's gut gets, uh, um, your immune system gets a- activated by certain things going in and out of your digestive tract. So with someone with Crohn's disease, the body is, un- when it starts that uh, process of um, that immune process, it doesn't know when to stop. Like, this is very layman's terms. I mean, I'm not a doctor. I'm probably no, but, botching but, it. But mm-hmm. so what happens is if you if you are constantly having, or if your gut is unhealthy and there's bacteria in there that your body doesn't like, it will try to get rid of it, but it gets where it's eating itself away. So it's so that's why I had a hole in my bowel is because you get these ulcers and your body doesn't know when to shut shut down. So that's why a lot of these medications, they're, they're suppressive drugs for your immune system so that you're, you, you don't, it suppresses your ability to deal with things okay. to begin with. So I took it as, well, you know what? It makes perfect sense. Why not eat something? This is kind of the, the carbohydrate-specific diet. Remove everything that, even for the healthy person, triggers some kind of work to be done by the digestive tract. So eat everything that is most simply digested. Which is what? Which is not red meat. Anyways, which is a carnivore diet. But uh, so eliminating the the allergens, right? So soy, gluten, dairy, uh, very fibrous things. uh, So things like nuts. Um, Yeah. What are you left to eat then? So what were you left to decide that you were going to eat and was going to be the gentlest on your stomach? Uh, So I, I... to be honest, I, I got rid of all the allergens and then there are, but it's more specific than, and, and sugars. I mean, some, some are okay. So there's the fructose and in, in those, so there's fruit, that's fine. But then you get into another tangent, which is candida. So it's overgrowth of yeast, which is not good for your gut flora and, and fruit, uh, as good as it is, it feeds the yeast. So, I know looking back when I was in high school eating those baguettes and I, I would eat so much, it was, I had an excessive amount of yeast overgrowth in my gut and I, I had no idea. And I went, to, I went to university in my first year in residence. We sat right behind the uh, dessert table. Oh my goodness. I demolished that dessert table. And if I wasn't sick, you know, Frosh 25, well, <laughs> like Frosh 70, I swear. <laughs> but I was sick, so I never gained any weight in my first year. I was going to say, you're eating all of this, and I'm thinking at least the Frosh 15. But you're right. going, no, like it no, was, but your was, body, what you were so sick. It was getting sick. It was, in, it, yeah. So, um, but uh, but what happens, and I think a lot of people deal with this, is that craving, oh, I'm, I'm you know, I have to have my carbs or I have to have my pasta or, you know, I crave that little sweet thing. That's your body telling you that something's asking for it and it's not you're hungry. You're not needing food. There's something else in there. So so with the the carbohydrate-specific diet, it's kind of an oxymoron because it's telling you not, not to have all of those refined carbohydrates, to have slower, you know, lower glycemic index sort of foods, um, but to eliminate the common allergens as well. So I did that. Um, 
and it, there's there's a whole uh, step process. And to be honest, it's been a long time since I've gone back to that book or that way of eating. So, but I know that, for instance, like no nuts to begin with, no, um, oh, I don't probably red meats that sort of thing. So so very no eggs perhaps. Uh, so eating very simply and then slowly reintroducing foods back. Yeah. Did you at what point did you feel like you were back to being? healthy uh back to the gym and working out and what what was the situation then with like well sorry go ahead no like how were you feeling like Mm -hmm. how was everything functioning well uh I got back to being physical very quickly because I was I so happened in uh April of my first year of university and uh I competed in my in a fitness competition I think it was two two years later but I was so I, I went back to, to training uh, I had this because you go through you get really sick and you go through these stages of you know anger and uh, sadness and uh, you know all of the ver- various stages and I I thought I can't I want to train athletes that's what I wanted to do for my living I can't train athletes if I'm sick so I gotta get better in a hurry and master this, so I can get back to doing what I really, really want to do. So, uh, so I got back to being active as soon as I could. I knew there was scar tissue there. I've suffered probably thirty bowel obstructions that have to take me to hospital, like without a doubt. And so, there's a lot of scar tissue. There's still a lot of scar tissue in there. Like when, when Colin and I go to a movie, I. If he's on this side and I want to lean over on him, I can't do that for very long because things start, like that feeling of scar tissue pulling, it's very uncomfortable. I can do it this way. So so squatting, for instance, is probably, for me, it's contraindicated because I got so much scar tissue in there um, that it has twisted my hips, all that sort of I thing. I know, but I don't notice that because all I no. see is this person who's who's doing everything at the gym with perfect form and right. lifting at least 150 pounds more, more than oh, the strongest on. man that's there. <laughs> so, you know, like I, I see it from a different perspective. And, and then I see what it's like for you then to train people who, as we I mentioned at the very at top of this, like who are dealing with chronic disease and that it is possible. And this is really what I want to emphasize for people. It is possible yes. to be able to have this mobility, to mm-hmm. be able to reach certain athletic endeavors or fitness levels mm-hmm. while still dealing with chronic disease and issues. Mm-hmm. And you've dealt with a lot of clients because of it. Yes. Like this. Yeah, absolutely. Um, it, it's uh, I, I suppose you have to want it, and you have to want health enough because it is not um, struggling or dealing with or overcoming chronic disease does not run along the same path as our you know North American way of life. So you you have to go against the grain that we have. And for some people, and yeah, I mean, everyone needs to work, everyone needs to take care of their children. These health practices are not necessarily the quick fix, or they're not easy, and they take time, and it's not comfortable all the time. So with my clients that have some of chronic disease, some of, I mean, some it's more a skeletal thing, like uh, um, spinal issues, um, but with those with chronic, and a lot of people suffer from autoimmune conditions of some form. It can come out in eczema. My son has eczema, you know, or my daughter with uh, with um, Lyme's disease. Uh, 
um, you you have to take the person from where they are and help. It's all about self-efficacy with what I coach with my clients, uh, giving them baby steps, things that they can manage in their everyday life that will ultimately get them feeling better. And I, I call it the bug. Once you have the bug, and, and that can be, you know, going and hitting the weights hard. It can also be drinking more water, whatever the bug is for you that makes you start to feel better and want more and and see those people out there and think, maybe I can be like that. Maybe I can be normal again or or whatever or feel normal, feel good. That gets them on the road. And then they're more likely to do something a little bit more extreme, like prepping on a Sunday night, you know, for your, your meals or um, coming to see, like not not bailing on our sessions or or going for that walk. What is the excuse that they most often use? I mean, if you're dealing with an autoimmune, you know, like yeah. they're in pain. I mean, my mom has arthritis. Like, you know, there yeah. are days when I just, I know that she aches, you know, just yes. putting weight bearing yeah. hurts, yeah. you know, and yet she'll still go, okay, uh, you know, I'll get on the bike today. Yes. You know, what does it take for individuals to move past that unco- that when they're uncomfortable? That comfort zone is very hard it's, to break. Uh, it's self-efficacy. So it means just giving them something for that person that they can accomplish. And once they've accomplished that, then you move to something else. You make sure you they can articulate so because I mean they can think well that felt kind of good but if you ask them how did that feel and as soon as they say it felt really good they hear themselves say it felt really good and it it um, reiterates what's going on so so then once they so for instance uh, I'll say with one client and this is very generic but um, just start drinking more water so you know you take your elastics and you put four elastics in your water bottle and every time you have a water bottle you fill it up you take out off an elastic just do that this week that's it or I'll say something else you're writing down write down what you eat and then the next people hate that people hate doing these food diaries it is like it is painful so then I don't get them to do it I wait until they're ready and I've trained some people for a long time and sometimes it takes a long time until they're like you know what and I'll keep asking them, is there anything I can help you with, with your nutrition? You want to try this? And I, I don't, and, and then I'm not going to badger them about it unless that's the kind of person that they are mm-hmm. and they need that. And I'll, I'll start to know that. Are there things right? though that you have to be aware of as a trainer or when you are training someone or when you are heading to the gym, when you are dealing with chronic issues? Yes. That you have to, it's almost like a checklist. Like, if you're feeling this, don't do this. Oh, yeah. It if depends you're, on the condition. Yeah, absolutely. For you. Oh, for me. When you, okay, so let's just use you as oh, an yeah. example. When you have a flare up, yeah. or you're talking about these 20 things that you've had that I, you said, you said the word, I didn't catch it, when you had to go to the hospital. Oh, okay. Yeah, bell obstructions, right. Okay. Okay. Okay, yeah, yeah, for sure. So, okay. Like, when, when is there like, okay, I'm pushing it too much or this is healthy to do and it's safe and I'm good. The best I can say is know, know thyself, know your body. So, and that, that takes people again, and I'm blessed to be able to have the, the job that I have and have the ability to, and, and the experience, I guess, of having been so sick to get to know your body really well. Uh, and then, you know, like for me, I know if I start to get, a very certain pain in a certain place in my stomach and 
my husband was a massage therapist, so that that's fantastic, and he can't massage it out of me, and I, it starts getting worse. I know this is a bowel obstruction, and then I know, yes, of course, training is not even. A, it's more like I need it's to not get an the option. hospital. Let's go to the hospital. Second. Yeah, exactly. What if you can? Tips for people who right now are just lying on a couch feeling there's no point for me to get up and move. I'm sick. Let's just stay here. Um, try something little. Just try the, the, the smallest of things. And before that, you need to want it, right? So you So if you can, I say forgive but don't forget. Forgive your body for what for what has happened but don't forget about before you know how you were before and no it's the same you and you can get back there so sometimes it takes guidance you know so get if if you know that you need help get the support that you need but just choose the little things and don't be hard on yourself don't bash yourself for it you know it's like someone has a bad meal and they think their day is done for Mm -hmm. think about the next meal you know so take that next little step it's a it's an individual thing some people some things work better some you know some people need someone kicking them out of the bed and saying come on let's let's go some it's more a very uh it's very personal you know and it's more it's a confidence thing I don't want to fail or that there and I felt this in in hospital when I was up in that whatever floor of the the hospital and I remember sitting and looking at the people walking outside and I thought that was me this world is not that world anymore like they don't know what they've got this up here is a different universe than down there yeah and and that person walking I was like that's that's not me anymore and that was like that really hit me hard and that person can be you again you know, so I think I think how scared one must be when you're in a hospital setting and your life has yeah. changed drastically. And you're 19 and you're in with, you know, fairly old people or whatever. Yeah, absolutely. To have that. But to look down at the people. Yeah. I, I even remember that, you know, after my C-sections, mm-hmm. you know, and I was like out of body experience I'm exhausted I've gone through 26 hours of labor I can't get up I can't move because I've been cut like from side to side and going I will never feel normal again is this your new normal the how you feel like that there are good days and that there are bad days and there are days when you just know you've got to watch what you're eating or watch what's happening Mm -hmm. well Is is it a daily checklist for you yes absolutely and it it is it, it's not so much a, a checklist, but it's, I still worry all the time. I mean, I'm a worry wart. I worry about my, my family. I worry about my kids, you know. But so I, I'm hyper aware of my body, hyper aware of it. And I, I know little things that feel right or don't feel right. And it can be exhausting. It can be exhausting. And that's probably part of the reason I go to the gym and I just try and kill it because it gets me out of there. Yes, it makes me feel functional and strong and healthy. I am healthy, though, and I believe that. I got sick. I think a lot of it had to do with my genetic composition that I had no idea about, and I just I didn't do the right things. Uh, so that is something else I would tell people is be aware of what makes you feel good or not and take 
and and listen to your body because I think we just pound through life and oh it's not going to happen to me I still have the oh it's not going to happen to me is you're much more aware of it now though because you know what you're dealing with but then to know that your daughter has Lyme's disease so what are you having to watch for with your daughter well it's um as soon as I found out that she had Lyme's disease and I I Finally, it was like the missing part of the puzzle came into why I have Crohn's disease. I was given that disease so I could deal with my daughter because as soon as she became sick and the way that it manifested with her was ticks. So tick, she was bitten. Uh, I think it was by mosquito, but she uh, got Lyme's disease from it. It was only finally diagnosed after she was one and was diagnosed at three. And on December 6th, whatever year it was, but I remember that date, she uh, she came out with these full-body ticks, and she could barely walk. It was just night and day. And um, I started paying attention to when they'd really flare up, and it was, for instance, after she had her milk in the morning. So I knew right away, okay, there's a dietary component to this. I know how to do this. I can do this. So I right away eliminated milk. I eliminated gluten. Um, she wasn't really having soy. Uh, but I took all of those allergens away, and it helped so much. No, I didn't cure her. Like, but but mm-hmm. I, I helped enough so that sh- those things could come down. But for you, food, right? like understanding the science yeah. behind food has been the essential lifesaver yes. for you. Yes. Oh, yeah, I think absolutely. I mean, we are what we eat. And and I I worry a little bit because I'm I my daughter's been on on medication on antibiotics every day for the past two and a half years, two and a half years. And antibiotics are horrible for the gut. So, I'm so I try so hard. She's sick. So, you can't be like you can't eat that. I don't want her to form a bad relationship with food. Uh, I'm very honest with her in an age-appropriate way. I think that's important. But I know I need to limit, and I I can't give her all the fun fish crackers that all the other kids are having because of her situation. And uh, I think that that hopefully is going to pull her through with this. The worst thing I could imagine is her getting Crohn's disease because it's in her genetic makeup. But I am a firm believer that if you are diligent and you really do take care consistently of your health via nutrition that can be avoided i think a lot of illnesses a lot of chronic a lot of um, uh, autoimmune conditions can be avoided you might have the genetic makeup mm-hmm. for it but it might not come out and you know you you, you talk about flare-ups i mean knock on wood i don't I don't get flare-ups. Like, I, I I, don't. I have discomfort and I had a lot of obstructions, but that's a mechanical thing. That's a scar tissue thing. Um, it's not from the actual It's not your disease. body saying you're doing, you're, you're, yeah, yeah, you're pushing me too much. From, yeah. Have you had that success with clients to be able to find that fine balance between not having flare-ups yeah. and feeling good and have eating healthy and feeling good? I, I'm not qualified to remove someone from their medication a lot when people come to Mm -hmm. see me they're already fully on on some sort of medication so but ironically a lot of them in our initial discussion they say you know I've heard these you know testimonials I I, anecdotally I I know that people can get off this and by by this time next year in a few years I want to be 
I would I don't want to have to deal with medication anymore, which I'm all for, but I only see these people, you know, say two to four times a week, right? So that's two to four hours in a full week of however many hours there are in a week. There's only so much that I per se can do. I really try and coach on, it's a process. And no, I haven't gotten anyone off of medication thus far. And I would be too afraid to to even suggest no, it. No, yeah, I, I so wasn't yes, saying that. Oh, sorry. No, no, no. I wasn't saying yeah. that. I mean, but that people are feeling that they've they've gotten over this hump of chronic choosing not to be active, choosing just to kind of give into the illness. Yeah. That you have seen this shift in mindset that they're they've they've swapped that. They're living healthier. They're active. Yes. They're okay. more even more active yes. than maybe before they got yeah. sick. Yeah. yeah, for sure. I don't. There are not many people that say oh, this is bogus like I'm just gonna go so so I mean yes for mm-hmm. sure I mean yeah and and you know in my past and I won't talk about this too much but I remember in university I was given my very first uh, this gentleman was obese for sure and I just flung at him everything I could we're gonna get in the pool we're gonna go for what you know what and he did the fade away which is he just slowly stopped coming and then and then he just disappeared and I what did you learn from that? felt so horrible. Well, then I went to visit the father of a friend of mine maybe two or three years later. I was still in university, and he was pre-diabetic, just, in, just not healthy. And we went to buy shoes with him, and he, he was drenched in sweat just trying to get one leg on top of the other to take his shoe off and out of breath. And that moment, I realized what I had done wrong. I had just, so he just, what had you I, done wrong? I had just been so keen and, you know, tried to get him to all the things I know in on paper that you should do for an individual fitting this demographic, uh, but he was not there yet. And from that moment on, I take everyone for where they are right now. So some people, it's it's challenging. I have one gentleman who came to see me once a week and he has a chronic condition, and now we're at two times a week, shorter periods of time, working on the nutrition. So it's a process, and you know sometimes they you know have a good couple of of uh, weeks, and then you know there's a holiday, and you know the in-laws bring goodies or something, you know, and then you kind of have to restart again, or and and that's life, and it's you know it's not my life because I I live it, and I've. I was there a long time ago, and this is my profession, and I'm educated in it. So mm-hmm. I cannot inflict that upon anyone else or expect them to travel along the path as I have. And, I mean, I've made my, my goofs as well, for well, sure. Well, I appreciate, though, that you said right? I, I did it wrong, like yeah. that you oh, could yeah. appreciate I wasn't. I did the I carnivore diet wrong, too. That's for sure. So I, this was something, <laughs> and I want I wanted to touch on this really quickly because we, we had talked about it, and mm-hmm. I saw your post, and you were eating, like, how many steaks how much oh, meat like too much that's all you ate for how long yes. it's I loved it but until it I really was not well um I started in August and I'll tell you why in a sec and then um when have I started I think December early December or late November I I started to feel really no I was starting to feel not good a little bit before that well, I think why first off okay why would you do a carnivore like it was all meat okay yes the, okay the reason is so here I am following all these health 
or, or I'm very strict with my nutrition, guess what? For the past, I don't know, since I, before marriage, I don't know, ever since I started that breaking the vicious cycle, that, that diet or that way of style of eating, man, my, my stomach might be flat in the morning, but boy, it's, I'm so distended, so bloated by the end of the day, or I, I was. And we all are. I, I can start, right. the, I stare at the day and I'm like, oh my God, I look yeah. so good. This is great. Yes. I go to bed and I'm like, oh my God, I'm six months pregnant. Yes. Yeah, for sure. Like that's just, that's, and that was, a, I try to tell a, myself that's normal. Yes. Right. <laughs> and I tried to tell myself, I'm so glad my husband loves me and everyone still loves me the way I'm at night versus having in the morning. But oh my goodness, we have an event, you know, and I need to wear something and I'm just going to wear a lot of baby doll dresses, you know? And, uh, so I was working, dealing with that and it doesn't feel good. Um, it didn't feel good, but then I started and it was kind of middle of the winter last year where I was, my legs were swelling, like they were edemic. I could press in my ankles and you know, it would stay and then it extended higher up and I went to the doctor and he said, well, you know, it can be sometimes hotter weather. And I was like, well, we're kind of in like early spring here this is not it. I know something's not right. And it just didn't go away. And I thought, this is okay. This is inflammation. And yes, I've got Crohn's disease. No, I don't have a flare-up with the Crohn's. There, and this is this is what I'm talking about, being in tune with your body. I'm getting this bloating, and now it doesn't matter if I'm eating, you know, broccoli or not. I'm just always bloated. It's not even like a morning thing anymore. And I'm getting this swelling. So there is something that is not working here. And boy, I'm someone who you know, I, I, I don't take a lot of supplements or I didn't take a lot of supplements, but I did take, you know, the omegas and the probiotics and the, you know, have my greens. And I was concerned that this is not going down the right path. So off we go camping with the kids and we listened to a podcast by, um, Jordan Peterson interviewed by Joe Rogan about this carnivore diet, uh, Jordan Peterson is. I can see Colin in the car going, "Oh please, let's just shut this off because no, he's he getting an idea." No, he actually heard it okay. and he thought, "I just want you to hear this because I don't know what to think." Because his daughter has, and he has all kinds of these chronic issues, depression. Um, she had uh, juvenile arthritis, which is super rare. Had knee, ankle replacements early on in life, like seventeen. And she started going on meat and greens only. And like 70% of it or something cleared up. Then she went all beef. She And she was very sick. And and he, then he went on it. And um, uh, this he, is the guy who's doing this podcast. Jo, yes, um, Jordan Peterson. And he's, okay. he's a pro. I don't know if you've heard. He, uh, he's a very well-educated, very... Um, Anyways, he's a, he's a great person to listen to about a lot of topics, and he's someone who's very objective uh, and science-based, and he did something crazy like this, and it was for autoimmune conditions. And I listened to it, I thought, this is kind of crazy. But then I also was thinking, I've been trying everything else, and it has not been working. So we go off camping, and camping was, I mean, I would camping, there's a lot of bending down in tents. And I mean, I was bending down and... I needed to stand up because I was losing all circulation in my ankles because I was so puffy. And then when we got home, I thought, you know what? I'm going to try it. And I mean, this is no no fruit, no no nothing, just beef, water, or start. you start with meat, then it's just beef, water, 
and uh, coffee. I got to have my coffee. Um, and so I slowly, I wasn't eating far from it because I wasn't having the carb, you know, the, the complex I get that. carbs, that sort of thing. But you ended up eating a lot of meat over I a did, long period of time. Yeah. Yeah, I did. Did you see it, did it go down in inflammation? Within three days, all inflammation went away. And I felt good. I felt really good. And I don't even think I ever got into ketosis. Maybe a little bit, you know, because I eat a lot. <laughs> and so I would have maybe like five T-bone steaks a day. And that's, <laughs> yeah, right. But I loved every second of it. You would have five but, T-bone steaks a day? Yeah, for sure. But here's the thing is... um how much? I, what were yeah. your grocery? I'm sorry. What were, what was the grocery yeah, bill like? Can't, my husband can't listen to that. I don't. I don't. It was a lot. Okay. It was a lot. It's gone down substantially since since then. Um, but it was hard too because that was kind of all I all I could eat. And I thought. And the thing is, with with these, di- you're you're really ravenous for the first little bit with these diets, but then your body starts switching over and being able to use it a little bit more effectively and efficiently. So then you start eating less. And I did, I used to eat every hour before all of this. Like I'd have to eat something. Now, and I've, I've kept with it, but I would just eat, I would eat two meals a day. So I'd, I'd go into some kind of intermittent fasting and that's all I'd need. And for the first time in a long time, like I would leave the house without packing a snack and I would go for a period of time and I wouldn't even think about food. Like the amount of space that clears up in your head is amazing, you know? Like it's not like, oh, I should eat. What should I eat next? Oh, I have some meat. I have a lot of meat till I'm full and then I won't eat again until I need but to eat again. The inflammation went meat. down, but then it didn't last because you... No, I, I did not have the inflammation, um, but I started my stomach getting, started mm-hmm. getting quite upset and um, I... I looked into it because I thought, again, being aware that something is not right. And uh, I think I was suffering from gut dysbiosis, which is um, it's the complete elimination of healthy gut bacteria with unhealthy gut bacteria coming in. And that can happen as a consequence of a highly inflammatory, highly... Like I, I could see this maybe for someone who had was healthy otherwise yeah, right. doing something like this for the inflammation, mm-hmm. but with the amount of factors that were already going on in your stomach. No, but my stomach was okay. I was just bloated all the time. And that took care of all of that, you know, and I was less... I just, I'm just thinking of digesting five T-bone steaks yeah, right. in a day. I just don't see that... I don't know. Maybe I need to go listen to this podcast and no, it changed well, my mindset was, a little yeah. bit. But I, I, when I would listen to what you were eating and I would see your post, I'd be like, how is this humanly possible? Yeah, I didn't think it was either. I'm not going to go into the specifics, yeah. but but red meat specifically, you know, grass-fed to quality grass-fed beef, it has so many of the nutrients. So all of the nutrients, it's actually – it's comparable to kale or blueberries as far as a lot of your nutrients are concerned you know and your your all that stuff so um I looked at a lot of research and then I looked at a lot of anecdotal information and it seemed like everyone with autoimmune conditions and this isn't just from Instagram this is like actually looking into it substantially Mm -hmm. uh a lot of their uh people with 
colitis. They're, they went into remission, all sorts of things. So I thought, I'm, I'm going to give it a try because I'm a, a believer of trying things out. And before I can, I can stamp my approval on it or what, I, I need to try it out. That's the way I am. So I thought I would do it. So it just, I think with me, is it lingered on for too long? And I, I did a post recently. I think what it is, is it is a very, the layman way of doing an elimination diet. So what it is, is you can survive on beef and water. That that So, so it is a good way to eliminate all other things. A lot of those things probably are aggravating you. So it gives you time to let your gut relax but you need just enough time before it starts getting sick, which is, I think, what was happening with mine, before you start slowly reintroducing foods to figure out what the problem foods are. Because I don't think anyone should go to bed bloated. And, I mean, that was my life. That's as much as I I, I, I just feel like 90% I, of us are going to bed. Well, that's it. But you know what? I think 98% of us are eating something that we shouldn't be eating. And whether it's down to a food dye, you know, it can be as simple as that. So what I did was as soon as I started not feeling well, I reintroduced my, because I wasn't taking any probiotics and, or any, like I, I dove into this way of eating. Full, I thought if you're going to do this, you do you it. full out. Yeah. There's no point in doing it. And then on weekends, you know, uh, eating a burger because it's, then it's going to negate any kind of beneficial result that you might have so I really was pretty square about doing it but then I realized it wasn't so then it was this urgency to start reintroducing things and there was fear attached with that you know like I don't know what to reintroduce so I started by just steaming bro um steaming spinach and having water and that seemed fine. So then I started to have the steamed spinach. And then I started to reintroduce other things. So, and, and olive oil, you know, versus just the, the coke. I was having MCT oil, which made me feel good in my soul because it's anti-inflammatory. So now I'm eating, I still haven't had a single fruit in since August. And I used to love, like, I do love fruit. But I, I haven't even had stevia in or any kind of sweetener I've had nothing sweet not even gum I don't even chew I every time I have my coffee you probably see me at the gym brushing my teeth because I I need to clean my mouth but I, I won't have gum so I have eliminated all sugars and I feel fantastic like I, I really feel great so it was it was a bit of a it was a journey it's all a journey and there's no quick fix it took a long time but I have reset my body and now I'm rebuilding only with foods that feel and it's very simple and I'm still only eating twice maybe three times a day and I tell you that lets your gut rest and that is the most see that for me is thing. normal you talking about eating every hour yes. like I mean we all have such very different experiences as yeah. to how we when and how we feel mm -hmm. good I think for people who are are questioning that they don't feel like they fit into that box I think your way of thinking is very much outside of the box I are you yeah. Yeah, are you doing courses? Like, how are you? How do you deal with your clients then? Um, for people who are looking for information, because some people are going, okay, she thinks outside the box because I'm dealing with these circumstances. Mm -hmm. Also, are you online courses? Are you coaching? I mean, I see you at the gym, but yes. like, how are you? How does their business work? Okay, so I I see clients. My preference to see is to see uh, practically a client, so they come to my home or what have you. Um, so I coach them in nutrition. I've, it's holistic. I, I got to do the whole thing. I can't not. Um, as far as my 
online coaching is concerned, I've changed it and I, I really enjoy this, is I meet with them via um, FaceTime once a week, just for 30 minutes. And so I don't give one program or I don't give one dietary way of eating. We start with something. So the first month is a little bit more time intense and work intense. And then every week we set goals and we we accomplish them every week. And then we assess how is everything going. Oh, you need a slight change up with your program. We do that with the diet. How is this working? We'll try this. Have you, you know, okay, so just eliminate this this week. So I, I, I work on elimination sort of, uh, elimination sort of diet. So a lot of people, there's so much room to grow, you know, or, or to change, you mm-hmm. know, like, so, so we just start by either eliminating or reintroducing something else, but I will never, so it, it's anyway, so, so I will never in, inflict on anyone or however you want to put it. I will never, um, get someone to do what I have done. It is, everyone is so different. What I do know is with the way people are, you know, with certain symptoms, something might not be right. And I do know the psychological component of getting from one place to the next. So Mm -hmm. I know baby steps or how we need to work with baby, your baby steps Mm -hmm. will be different than theirs, than theirs. I'm sorry. But I know that in our mental it's it's all a mental game right so that's that's the way you have to get started and i'll never say go beef only or go like i i I will not and everyone's gut biome is different too right so so i i can't tell but but if you write down or if you're at least aware of how my body feels after doing this or without doing this we can work from there and every week we get to have that little check-in so that i i make sure that i keep a good record of it and we progress and so then six months down the road things have completely changed but it's been almost you haven't noticed you know because it's just been small small, I think your your method is that these baby steps you're not yelling going rah 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 anymore it's it's the small baby steps and then I will give it to you and like what (laughs) but but I'm not an advocate of that um no and especially for people who are dealing with these chronic diseases is to is to take the baby steps to that day where you feel like okay this is the new normal, but I'm back to a normal. And it's a roller coaster ride. And anyone who has a chronic illness or is not doesn't feel right in some way, there's a lot of fear associated with that. And we live. I live with that on a daily basis. And I'm not a negative person. I'm very positive and I'm very proactive. But forgive, but don't forget. Like I will always remember that, and I will do anything for that not to happen again. But you got to be aware because our bodies change, our mindset changes, the environment that we cannot control around us changes, and we have to just plug through it, being aware. So presence, be present. People right? have the awareness right now and the presence to be able to have some of this information and to be able to check out more information. Cluster, where can people find you? I'm on Instagram. Okay. Uh, I have Facebook as well. It's Fitness with Klessy. And Fitness uh, with, and then spell your name. K A L. E-S-S-Y. There you go. Fitness, Fitness with, with Kalesi. But I'm more active on Instagram. Uh, and you can DM me. 
Perfect. Okay. I'll have the information and you can see it uh, in the in the uh, podcast write-up. Thanks so much, Kalesi. Uh, definitely interesting. I'll have a different perspective the next time I'm seeing you at the gym and the next time I'm six months bloated at night yeah. kind of going, <laughs> what did I do today? Uh, that is a wrap on Living Your Life with Leanne Lang. Once again, if you have the ability, please like and share, subscribe. I'll be able to get this podcast out to a bigger reach. Uh, and to let people know that we are talking everything health, fitness, motivation, inspiration, to be able to help make your life just a little bit better each and every day. What happens when we play outside? We become healthier, both mentally and physically. We become more creative and more focused. We connect with nature, each other, and ourselves. Let's Take This Outside, a new podcast hosted by me, Marianne Iveson, an aspiring outdoor athlete and nature lover. I speak to athletes, outdoor professionals, and scientists about their connection to nature, how it affects their performance, and everyday life. Let's Take This Outside, available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Google Podcasts, and at ivisonvoice.com slash podcast.